This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? Let's take a closer look at Mary and Martha. Yeah, at Mary. At Mary specifically. Martha's cool, but it's... It seems like the narrative kind of lends itself more to, to Mary than Martha. Well, it's weird, actually, because when Luke introduces us to the character... In chapter 8, it's Mary. Right. But then, when we get to the main story in chapter 10, it's Martha who had a sister named Mary. Right. That's true. And it's like, okay, not real sure what you're doing here, Luke. Yeah. But... Because here in... I just lost that third spot. Here in Luke chapter 8, we get, and this is a really odd thing here, okay? You got to use your imagination a little bit here, mm-hmm. okay? So soon afterwards, this is chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, right? He is always doing this. Yeah. The 12 were with him. Who are the 12? His disciples. The disciples. Like the 12. But notice Paul didn't, I mean, Luke didn't say the 12 disciples. Mm -hmm. Because in Greek, Clayton, what does disciple actually mean? I actually have no idea. It means follower. Okay. It just means somebody that follows him. And so you had the 12, then you had, you know, other followers. And then you had the big crowds, right? Like you had incremental levels of followers. Mm -hmm. We always think the disciples are only the 12. That's not true at all. Right. And here's a good example. Luke doesn't differentiate. Nowhere in here does he say disciples. He says the 12. Right. Because they're all disciples. I think Paul is intentionally telling you, or sorry, Luke, I keep saying that because I'm going to talk about Paul here in a minute. Mm. Luke is intentionally telling you that all of these people are disciples Mm. since he didn't say the 12 disciples because they're all disciples. Yeah. So he differentiates the 12. Like his core group versus. Well, some might argue that his core group is actually the three, Mm. Peter, James, and John. Mm -hmm. But he's got the 12, the ones that are kind of always with him. So the three are kind of like the inner circle. They're the inner circle. Yeah. they're, They're the executive table. Yeah. Okay, so you got your inner circle. Yeah, you've got your core group. Sure, and then everyone else. Well, no, because there would be a second set there. Um, yeah, there there would be other tiers. It wouldn't go so, from the twelve to everybody. There's else. definitely a, some level of a hierarchy. Uh, not not really a hierarchy, but like. I don't know. I don't know how those to people it. close to him get more of an investment. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just think about though, like doing youth ministry. The ones that you're the students that you're closest to end up getting more attention. You know what I mean? So it kind of breaks down 
naturally that way, I feel like. And That's with anything, though. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's a reason. And the difference about the 12 is I think Jesus went to them and called them. Mm-hmm. The yeah. rest of them just showed up. Right. From the preaching. But, like, Jesus went directly to the 12 and called them. That's what makes them unique. Right. But Luke specifically doesn't name them as disciples. He says the 12 were with him as well as some women who'd been cured by evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene. So she's there. Mm -hmm. From whom seven demons had gone out. That's a lot. Yeah. She apparently had... Seven demons. The perfect number of demons. Yeah. Seven is the perfect perfect number. number. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she had the perfect number of demons. Um, I don't know what that means, honestly. Yeah. But she, uh, there was apparently an exorcism performed on her. Clearly. And Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others. And Clayton, would you, would you read that last clause for me? And many others who provided for them out of their resources. So what do you think that means? Meaning their food, their places to sleep, water, whatever. Their things that they are giving to the ministry of Jesus. These people are supporting what Jesus is doing financially. Yeah. Whether it's from provisions they already had and or giving money or money. whatever. Yeah. These women are they're donors. Doing that. They're donors. They're supporters. And they're also disciples. I mean, who do you know that's given money to something that doesn't support and want to be attached to it? The only people would be those that need the tax write-off and just mm. don't care where it goes. Yeah, fair enough. But in the ancient world, that it don't work that way. Yeah, You're giving money to something you believe in. Yeah. And you're following it. Mary is a disciple of Jesus. And here's the real story that I want to tackle. Go ahead. But, I mean, if, if you had seven demons... Inhabiting your body and Jesus cat. Who, who would it? <laughs> yeah, fair point. I, yeah, like, I don't know. Uh, who would walk away from that and being like, oh, no, that Jesus guy, what a hoax. Like, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, well, you know, I don't know. I wonder if they knew they were possessed by demons. Or, like, if they just get told and they can't remember anything, or do they remember the things they did, or... I mean, we don't know a whole lot about possession, right? No. Um, And even if we did, honestly, like, if somebody told you their story, would you believe them? I I probably would, but... I don't know. I'm a skeptic, and so... Not not in the idea of possession, possession, but just in somebody's narrative of it. And somebody's narrative... If I find holes, yeah, I will be skeptic. Yeah, but um, I actually told you a story about that recently. Yeah, you did. Um, but still, doesn't matter. Yeah, if you're yeah. possessed, you're and you don't remember, you you're gonna have lost time. Yeah, yeah, especially you if would. you have seven demons living inside of you. Yeah, right. I, That's a significant. 
I don't know what number. that is. I mean, you've got the other passive word, like, we, we are, are legion. legion. Oh, God. It's like. That's sketchy. Holy hell, what does that mean, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, this is not about demons. No, it's but not. It's an interesting topic. It is. We need to add that to the PMP list. Yeah, angelology and demonology. Yeah. Well, and just spiritual warfare in general. Yeah. I, well, spiritual warfare, spiritual is, warfare on is on it. Yeah. But yeah. Adding that piece of it. Okay. So skipping ahead to chapter 10, it's it's kind of crazy. Okay. And and here's why it's kind of crazy. In the narrative of Luke, Luke has just finished having Jesus preach the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. As that closes, he asked the man, right, who is the one that showed him mercy, mm. right? Who's the one that was a neighbor? Verse 37, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go, go and do likewise. likewise. Yeah. Okay. So that's the whole thing. Notice the last phrase. Go, go and, and do, do likewise. Yeah. Okay. Remember, ancient manuscripts, these subheadings aren't there. Right. So verse 37 goes directly into verse 38. So he said, he said, the one who showed him mercy, Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. Obviously, there's a natural break in the story because Jesus leaves. Mm -hmm. But Luke is known as the gospel writer who is writing a gospel for the outcast. Mm -hmm. In the ancient world, it's no secret that a woman could be an outcast. Right. She didn't have to be. But she's, it's much easier she's, for her to be an outcast. Well, and she's definitely not an equal by any means. Mm -mm. And so he says, go and do likewise. I don't know how much of this is leading into the next narrative. But it's interesting that they're in line <clears throat> it, one it after feel, another. It, it feels like Luke is intentionally putting that there for a reason. If, I think so. I don't think that that's happenstance yeah I, I don't think it's literally he finished teaching this and then immediately went and did this maybe but like well it's very possible it is possible and i know me when i go and preach live like that when i leave most of the time the people that i leave with and wherever I go next, want to talk about what I just preached. Oh, that's true. So if Jesus did actually just preach this, and it's fine to be in that order, however yeah. you, however I, we want to do it, I'm just saying that it, I want you to know that that's the parable right before this story. It's important. Yeah. So then he shows up in this village at Mary Martha's house, and all of his disciples and Mary are sitting at his feet, listening to him teach. Now, interesting, in Matthew, 
We get several times where Jesus tells a parable in the marketplace, and then he takes his disciples away and explains it to them. Mm -hmm. My suspicion is is that Jesus is further teaching them about the Good Samaritan parable. Oh, okay. I don't have proof of that. Just my idea. But that's what I think is happening. And Mary is sitting at his feet. Yeah. Now, something you got to know. In both Jewish and Roman culture, women were not allowed to sit at the feet of a disciple. Mm -hmm. They could not do that. And Paul, in Acts chapter 22, I had it marked, sorry, but my phone fell out of my... In Acts chapter 22, Paul... This is Paul's in Jerusalem here. Mm. And he starts kind of bragging on himself. Just like letting him know who he is. And right. he says, this is Acts 22, verse 3. I'm a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. As Paul is fixing to go through his his resume mm -hmm. he is bragging that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel now also if you know anything about Jewish history Gamaliel's kind of a dude you want to sit at his feet he's okay, kind of so a big I was deal about to ask who is that yeah kind of a big deal and so Paul's sitting at his feet this is the this is the posture of disciples yeah and it was an honor to sit at a rabbi or a, 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 Some, a teacher a teacher's feet and yeah. be a disciple and it was specifically reserved for men women were not allowed to do this but clearly jesus doesn't have any qualms mm. letting mary sit at his feet and this is where we get you know the Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Yeah. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. Doesn't that just totally seem like two things, like some of the two sisters would do? Oh, for sure. I mean, we've done similar things. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a perfect example, but I don't have one because it's happened so many times. That, like... One of us is up doing something, you know, growing up together. We were up doing something. Dude, why are you just sitting there? Come help me. Like, yeah, quit being lazy. <laughs> yeah, that Clayton is speaking for me because that's how that always happened. I was up doing work, and Clayton was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's always true. That's pretty, pretty true. I don't think that's always true. I think so you're overgeneralizing that. Everybody's got to remember, though, I'm six years older than you. You are six years older than And me. so when I grew up, we were poor. Also true. And so we did everything. Yep. By the time Clayton got old enough to actually start doing crap, we daddy made a little bit of money, <laughs> and dad paid people to do everything. So, yeah, it was mostly me doing crap and Clayton sitting around. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. 
Okay, so Mary and Martha, or Martha comes in, she's kind of bickering it. And, and notice who is like, who she's bickering at. She's definitely upset with Mary. But she's, she's, she's directed at it to Jesus. Yeah, like, why aren't you telling her to help me? Because Martha knows mm-hmm. that Mary ain't supposed to be doing what she's doing. Yeah. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So I I have a note here that some other translations might read it as uh, few things are necessary. Yeah. Um, or only one, right? Yeah. Um, few things are necessary. I, that may not be like a perfect translation. Well, I'm te- well you that notation there is fine because that definitely means it's in multiple manuscripts. So they put mm-hmm. it in a notation. But there's a reason it's this. that this one ended up in the main text. I'm just saying that few things are needed. Like, think about that for a second. We get so bent out of shape about little things. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot. We get so bent out, bent out of shape about little things. We stress out about... So, you and I are going to understand this. You being a three, me being a six. And when I'm unhealthy, I, I perform like you do. About keeping up an image... Yeah, we stress out about that so hard, and in a way, that's kind of what Martha's doing here. Oh, that's exactly what trying she's doing. to protect Mary's image. Um, uh, I don't think it's Mary's image. You think it's Martha's? Oh yeah, Martha's definitely looking out for herself here. I don't think it's about Mary at all. Even though she's taking a posture that she shouldn't be taking in, in society standards. Yeah, no, because the, the whole narrative is set up that Martha's stressed out because of all the crap she's got to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, And for, so that's, I mean, that's for sure. Martha's looking around and going, I got a house full of men that need to eat. Mm. And the only other person that's capable of helping me is sitting in there with the men. Yeah, but... I don't think it has anything to do with her protecting Martha well, or Mary. Maybe not. I don't know. It's a theory, right? We don't know. But few things are necessary. None of those things that she's freaking out about, worrying about, really matter. Yeah, it well, and that's the well, that's the whole reason that, or that's one of the reasons that the narrative doesn't use that manuscript, um, is because Martha is trying to feed them. Mm-hmm. That does kind of matter. You, you can't really live without food. Yeah. And that's why Jesus says few things are needed. Right. Yes, what Martha is doing is needed, but Mary has chosen the ultimate need. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing is Jesus is clearly setting it up that, yeah, you need to eat to live. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure. But... It goes back to the old parable. I'm only going to be with you for a short time. Mm. Be present with me as much as you can because I'm not going to be here long. Yeah. 
the thing that I love about this is twofold. Number one, Mary had such a relationship with Jesus that she felt comfortable taking a posture that wasn't hers, mm. that wasn't supposed to be for her. I think I know this for myself. I've been on staff at multiple, multiple churches. I often found myself feeling the need to take postures that weren't meant for me, mm. that I wasn't supposed to take, but I knew were the right place for me to be. I was pastoring at a church, a very conservative church, during the George Floyd thing. I preached on it. I remember. I was pastoring at a church when the Texas massacre happened at the Walmart in mm -hmm. Tyler and they killed all the Hispanic people. So I talked about it. I was pastoring at that same church and did a two-week sermon series on justice. Mm, I remember that too. In each of those, I took a posture that no pastor there had ever taken before. Mm. And I got a lot of back... I had a lot of Marthas coming at me the, over those. But I knew in my heart that Jesus wanted me in that posture. Listener, you're going to do a lot of things in this world. You're going to find yourself in places where you need to take a posture that maybe society says you're not supposed to take. And that's okay. There are things that will happen and need to happen because of your courage of taking a posture that society says you're not supposed to have in order to reach people in positions that you would never reach. Um, and then the other thing that I want to call your attention to is Jesus tells her, Mary has chosen the better part. Every day of our lives, we must pick what is the better part. Is work the better part? Is family the better part? Is your marriage the better part? your vices, what is the better part? What are you going to live for? Because Mary is the ultimate role model here. She took a posture not meant for herself because the better part was being at the feet of Jesus. In what way will you prepare yourself to take a posture to be at the feet of Jesus.